Hey everyone, this week we have a really special and different episode of So What Else. So a few weeks ago, I was invited to sit on a podcast panel with Jess Connolly. And if you don't know who she is, she's an author, speaker, coach, and church leader in Charleston, South Carolina. She recently wrote a book called Breaking Free from Body Shame, and it's really amazing. As you all know, this is obviously a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I'm really passionate about intuitive eating and intuitive movement and just my own personal journey of healing from disordered eating. So this book that Jess wrote is especially powerful because it just brings us back to the basics. You know that our bodies are good because God made them and we can experience God and experience the world in general more beautifully if we're able to find peace with our bodies. So the way it worked was with the podcast panel, basically there was about 10 of us on this call, all podcasters. We all got a chance to ask Jess questions about the book and chat with her. And it was really, really great. It was so fun. But in order to make this episode a little nicer for you guys to listen to, our wonderful producer, Maddie Carps, edited it down and we kind of took out the other people's voices. So it sounds like it was just me and Jess on the call. But if you hear her say, you guys or all of you or something like that, then you know why. And just if this episode sounds a little different than usual, that's just because it was recorded in a totally different format than we usually do. Um, at the end of this episode, Jess talks about how to raise your kids in a home that does not shame bodies and strives to have your children grow up like proud of the bodies that they live in. And it's so good. It's so good. So if you're a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a teacher, or if you are ever in the presence of children, please listen to the end to what she has to say about that because it's just so important. All right. So stay tuned. I know you guys are going to love it. Caitlin, I have to ask you, um, have you read the book, The Coaching Habit by any chance? No, I have to write that down. The coaching habit, the coaching habit. It's one of Anna and I's favorite books. Um, and they say in that, that the, the most important question is, and what else? It's like the number one question to ask someone. I love that. I love that question. Yeah. It's a, it's a great book. And I, that's genuinely one of my favorite questions ever. Like, and what else? And what else? That's how I, cause it's, I, that we came up with that name because I never let there be like any kind of awkward silence in a, in a conversation, you know, people will just be talking. I'm Mm -hmm. like, so what else? Like, give me more. What else is there? Cause I genuinely want to know. I feel like people's stories are really interesting. So yeah. So good. I love it. That's awesome. I love that. All right. I'm going to definitely link that book in the show notes, the coaching habit. All right. Well, Jess, honestly, I just finished reading your book, breaking free from body shame. I absolutely love it. I connected to it personally on so many levels. And so I have just so many things that I want to ask you. So we're just going to jump right in. Okay. So even though you've made so much progress in the area of letting go of your body shame and like learning to feel comfortable and confident in your body, do you ever still struggle or do you ever still feel triggered by things? I love this question. I love this question. Okay. So that now that I feel free from, uh, from body shame as a whole, now that I know mentally that I'm free and I often feel free and I, for the most part, try to live free. Um, yeah, I still definitely get triggered. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say all day, every day, um, by media, by my own thoughts, by conversations with other people. But I'll say two things. Number one, I feel a lot more, I feel a lot more mentally prepared to fight. For me, the journey 
has looked like this. And, and I would say this isn't true for everyone, but this has been true for what I've seen for a lot of people. For me, the journey to, to really feeling free has been that my mind had to change. I had to have different truth in my mind. I had to know what does God think about my body? What does, what does freedom mean? I had, my mind had to change. And then for me, a lot of my actions had to change. And then my feelings started to change. So um, that being said, the more knowledge I have and the more wisdom and insight I have about my body and how it was created and its purpose and its worth, I find that I'm a, I'm a lot better equipped. But I also will say, you know, they uh, some people will say like time heals all wounds and some people will say like time doesn't do nothing for your wounds. Like time doesn't, time doesn't do nothing but make you more better. I would say over time, my reaction time to triggers of shame has gotten quicker. Like the amount of time that I spend maybe like reeling or feeling insecure or feeling defeated, it doesn't, it hasn't gone away completely, but the time has gotten a lot shorter that I'm able to respond with some truth and even maybe feeling different. You know, this is why I love, this is why I love God. This is why I love truth. But like the more I learn, the more I, the more I like him and the more I feel loved by him. So it was a few years ago that I I was really diving into the idea of even temptation and fear and realizing, you know, feeling fear and even feeling temptation is not a sin because Jesus was tempted and he didn't sin. So, um, a lot of our feelings are not sinful. It's how we respond to them that really, that really change everything. And so I, I find women feel shame about the shame. Like they feel shame about the fact that they experience body shame. But the true thing is the fact that we feel triggered or pricked or feel like poked by body shame is a really good thing. That, that means that our soul is healthy and that this culture that we're surrounded by, it should affect us. So when a woman tells me like, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about shame anymore. I don't feel that anymore. I'm not worried about that. That's actually when I get really concerned because I'm like, oh, you just don't feel that anymore. Um, but a healthy soul in a really unhealthy world absolutely will feel poked and prodded and, and even, um, uncomfortable and not at home because this world is not our home. It's just not safe. And so, um, I just want to free women up who feel ashamed about the shame. If you turn on the TV or you listen to a song or you have a conversation with most women about their bodies, I would say it's very good and healthy to feel burdened or broken or frustrated or heavy about what you hear. That's good. That's beautiful. So, so at what point in your life did you realize that you just had enough of feeling shameful about your body and like, you just wanted to be done with that. You needed to be done with that. I am in my head about this answer. This is really interesting. I, this is like a sidebar because I was listening to a podcast this morning about origin stories and about, um, if anybody's listening to the Mars Hill podcast, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, when you listen to it, you're going to be like, Oh, that's why she was so stuck because it's about how like, especially leaders like tell this one story over and over and over again. And it gets larger than life. Maybe it's not true. So now I'm like, I want to say something true. What's the truest thing. Um, I'll say this. I I've told this story in the book and, um, this is, this is the truest thing for me. I do not remember what happened. But at some point, about a year after I had had my fourth child, so this would have been 2014, I woke up the next morning and 
I found a sent email in my sent folder that I had written to Elisa Keaton of uh, the founder of Revelation Wellness. And I do not remember sending the email. I do not to this day, Elisa, and I've talked about it. And I have said, I don't know how I got in touch with you. Like, I don't know how I knew you. I must've followed her online at some point, but I woke up and I had written an email essentially in the middle of the night, I think. And I don't remember writing it. And I had just said like, I am done and I need your help. I can't handle this anymore. But what got me there, and if I'm being honest, like what had gotten me there is I I wasn't, for me, motherhood wasn't where my body shame was wrapped up in. I felt uncomfortable about my body long before kids came on the scene. Um, to some degree, I was one of the pregnant women that like when I was pregnant, I, I like at least like, I felt like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to look like not, not like everybody else. It's okay. So like pregnancy was not necessarily where my body shame lived, but I will say there was something about my baby, not being a baby anymore that I was starting to feel this pressure mounting on of, I, 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 my, my weight had gone up and down and I'd been on a million different kind of like crash diets and cleanses, et cetera. And I was like, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of over this. Um, but I think what was behind that point for me, honestly, was leadership that at that point in my life, I was working on my first book. I was leading in the local church. I was like beginning to step on to stages to speak the Bible. I felt so overexposed and I felt so out on a limb. And I just knew that I, I just kind of feel like I saw two paths of like, I conquer this the worldly way and I get myself together, but I maybe don't feel free or I conquer this the kingdom way and I feel free. Um, and I'll also say, um, I haven't shared this before publicly, but also what was happening in that season, I was writing Wild and Free, the book Wild and Free with my friend Haley Morgan. And the book is about freedom in Christ and essentially our God-given identity as daughters. And I wrote all the wild chapters and Haley wrote all the free chapters. And privately, we would joke that there was no way. I mean, we, it wasn't, we weren't joking, ha, 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 but we would say, honestly, there's no way I can write the free chapters because she just knew I was not living in freedom at the time. I was, I was living in a lot of bondage. And so people would say like, do you ever weigh in on freedom? And I'd be like, nope, uh, -uh, that's nope. That's not my area. That's what she writes about. Um, and so I think I just was done with that. I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's the truest answer, but yeah, I, it really, it kind of, once, once I made the mistake, uh, the good godly, mistake of emailing Elisa, I was done for. Like she, she was like, I'm coming for you. We're going to get free. Um, and she was like a sweet little freedom monkey on my back that wouldn't let off me. <laughs> so what is body shame exactly? And how do you think it impacts the rest of our lives? Really good question. I'm going to get the non-clinical answer. Um, I'm, I, I am so thankful for experts and I'm so thankful for experts in this field specifically, who could give a really good clinical scientific answer about what body shame is. From my human soul perspective, um, body shame is any feeling that equates to our bodies not being good. Um, so for 
for women, for many women, this is like actual aesthetic. They feel shame about the aesthetic of their body, how it looks. I believe a lot of women feel shame about how their body functions and about how it experiences sickness and weakness in this world. I think that many of us, sometimes we don't even really know um, what, how to qualify, how we don't feel good in our bodies. And so it might just be that we feel other. Um, it, it might be that we feel different from people around us, either by how we look or by how our body functions. Um, but for me, if, if body truth is that God made our bodies good, even though we live under the effects of a fallen world and, and we, ex, we can experience pain and weakness and sickness and illness in our bodies, body shame would be anything, any idea or motive or argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that our bodies are good. So, so body shame affects everything. It affects everything. It affects everything. And, and the reason why is because we live our whole lives in our bodies. And so I think the, the, the quickest way to say is like how you're feeling about your body, how you're feeling in your body is going to impact everything you do in your body. It's going to impact how you love people. It's going to impact how you work. It's going to impact how you rest. It's going to impact how you play. It's going to impact how you move, how you eat, etc. But I would say at the core of what, why it matters so much to me and why I want to talk to women so much about it is because I also think that it really speaks a lot to what we believe about God and what we think God believes about us, what we think he thinks about us, um, and, and what we believe about ourselves. And so for me, when I can help a woman kind of get to a more truthful place or a more kingdom minded place about about their body image, it can shift everything because maybe they're carrying guilt or shame that they believe God is frustrated with them or, or disappointed in them, or maybe they're just continually disappointed in themselves. Um, so those are the big reasons for you. Number one, just because we do everything in our bodies, everything we do, every spiritual thing we do, every secular thing we do, we do in our bodies, but also because yeah, it really, it really impacts our worldview about what we think about us, about God, about other people. How do you feel like we can know or track, like if we're actually making progress in this area, what are some indicators that we are making strides in the area of shedding our body shame? Like what does day-to-day freedom actually look like? I love this question because I think that the first thing we should all know is that freedom in its best most worshipful true form looks different on everybody. And, um, around here, we say a lot that freedom standardized is legalism. So if I say like, Hey, here's what freedom looks like for me, this is what it should look like for you. That would be really dangerous. And, and, and then you'd feel like, Oh, I have to do that, which is not freedom. And you know, that's like shooting on one another, which is like the opposite of freedom. That being said, I love practically like putting some putting some pillars down that people can look for in their own actual lives. Because if freedom is only in this spiritual nebulous place that we can't perceive it, then we're not going to taste the fruit of it. We're not going to be able to say like, I feel free. I'm living free. Um, So that being said, I would say for me, what freedom looks like in a day to day, on a day to day basis is moving my body and nourishing my body And treating my body in general, for the most part in ways that leave me more in awe of God. Um, And again, that's like a pretty spiritual nebulous thing to say, but sometimes when I say the opposite, that helps a little bit. So 
for me, there are certain ways that other people move their body that actually like would not make me feel worshipful at all. It would make me feel like I was striving or it was, it would make me feel like I was trying to be better or trying to do something, um, trying to be somebody that I'm not. So I can say for me specifically running for the most part, um, spending some portion of my week running is one of those things that leaves me more in awe of God. When I do it, I feel like I'm fighting defeat because I'm five, four and curvy and I'm not supposed to be a runner. And I'm like, ah, take that statement. I'm a good runner. Um, there's that piece of it. And then also I experience God when I'm running and, um, and it just leaves me more in awe of him. Now I have friends that they were like, that would actually be horrible for me. That would be horrific for me. I would not want to do that. Um, but same, like what it looks like for me to rest or what I put in my body nourishment wise, all of those things, if they feel like I'm trying to fit somebody else's expectations or somebody else's picture of what healthy or good or whole looks like, I usually don't feel great afterwards. I don't feel nourished. I don't feel like I've loved my body well, but when I do the things that I'm supposed to do, I feel like, Oh, I love God. I love that God made that. Um, a healthy example would be, I actually really love kale. Like I feel like kale gets a bad rap. And when my husband eats kale, he's like, this is disgusting. I don't know why anyone would eat this. I'm like, you should eat kale. I should, because after I eat it, I'm like, I love God. I love kale. I'm so glad you made that. I also feel the same way about pizza. I'm like, God is so kind that he told somebody bread and cheese and sauce and meat like that. He, he gave something that I did. Thank you, God. That, that feels like giving and worshipful for me. So that being said, that's my overall answer, but it's going to look different for everybody. Um, some everyday tactics that I think are just healthy to kind of just watch and look into would be number one, how we're talking about our bodies. I think in the year of our Lord, 2021, in Jesus name, most of us know that we shouldn't talk negatively about other people's bodies. If anybody listening to the sound of my voice still talks negatively about somebody else's body, you got to stop that. That's gross. Don't do it in the name of Jesus. Stop talking negatively about other people's bodies. I think we were mostly all on the same page about that, but how we talk about our bodies is a whole nother story. And so I think that's a good one to check in on what comes out of your mouth about your own flesh. Um, and I always encourage women, like, look for look for the non-obvious things. Look for, like, how you sigh when you're getting dressed. Or um, look for, like, the, the subconscious things that you say you can or can't do in your body. For example, women are always saying, you know, I can't wear that. I can't wear that. And I would say, like, why? Who said so? Like, who decided that? Why, do you, why are you making agreements with that? Who said you can't wear that? Put on the bike shorts in Jesus' name if you want to. Um, I sure am. But uh, yeah, I think look, th- thinking through what we say is a good tactic to, to pay attention to and a good everyday thing to pay attention to. Um, I would also say that um, I, I often kind of walk women through all the different things they can detox in their life. But I would say it would be really healthy and wise for all of us to just take a look at what we're looking at. And if we're continually consuming images that are not realistic of women's bodies, that may be something to pay attention to. Um, because the, the flip side of that, the everyday thing we can all kind of check in on that I would just love to invite also anyone who might be hearing the sound of my voice right now too, is to stop using filters or angles that are not realistic because it's lying and it's actually like hurting 
all the women around you. Um, so uh, that like, I, but we, we are so conditioned to do it and we think it's so, we think it's so expected because everybody else is doing it. So it's just one small thing we can do. Like, and again, people post pictures of themselves all the time. It's just one small way that we can fight this scheme of the enemy really against the women of God. That was a long answer. How can we switch our mindset from the mindset of, you know, I have to work on my body before I can think it's good to the mindset of my body is good exactly as it is right now? For me, I think, I think the real kicker to this kind of project-based mentality or even a striving to make our bodies good or make them better mentality, really it starts, it kind of starts and ends with breaking ties with agreement with this idea. Um, and so a lot of times, this is why I love our minds and, and I just love in general women and getting to talk to them because a lot of times for me, it looks like getting with another woman and saying like, Hey, let's talk about it. Let's like you and me, let's, let's go after it. Where, where's this whole thing going? Like, do we want to end? I personally have talked to God about when I'm going to die and I've asked him for 94. I'd like to be 94 when I die. I've told him a day. We'll see if he says yes. You know what I'm saying? But I've asked him for around October of the year I turned 94. And um, so here's a question I think. Do I want to get to 94 and have had like a hot, tight bod and made a bunch of people happy with my appearance? Like, is that the goal? Is that the goal? And when I really start to think with the end in mind, whether it's 94 or 44, I start to realize like, no, this is just not the object of my life. So then I have to go back to the beginning and say like, so what is, what is the purpose of my life? What is, what, what is the goal here? And, and for me, where I've landed is I want my days to be wrung out for the glory of God. And I'm much I'm much more empowered and equipped to do that when I start with the belief that he's already called me good. I'm I'm just much more able to do that. And so th- this is like, this is such a talky answer, but I feel like talking is where so much of the healing is for us. And I think because our default mode is just to go forward in what we've been told and what we've been invited into truly in culture, what we've been born into, the default mode is just to move forward in it. And um, and absolutely, if you just wake up and go about your day and you don't think about it, you will hear from a million different sources. The goal is to make your body good, better. The goal is to like treat yourself like a project. The goal is to blah, blah, blah. Um, and But all, I find all it takes sometimes is just shaking our head and saying like, hold on one second. Is that the goal? Like, I didn't, I didn't consent. I don't want to consent to that. I actually don't want to live under that anymore. And as soon as we start to say real words about it, I'm not saying that that's all the work. Sometimes it takes a lot of unlearning. Sometimes it takes a lot of help to change behaviors. Sometimes it takes professional help, but I feel like that's really like, that's the start of it. And, um, and for so many of us, that's where that move comes is just saying like, I just, I actually think that's a lie and I'm going to break ties with that agreement. And I'm actually going to call it like gross and horrific and the objectification of women. And then all of a sudden, I don't want to play with that anymore. (laughs) I just don't even want to mess with it, much less come under it. Um, So that's what, that's where it starts for me. 
So how does body shame negatively impact our mental health? How doesn't body shame impact our mental health? Um, I, there, for me, there is no area of my life (laughs) where I felt like I could turn off body shame. Um, Spiritually, it impacted how I saw God. It impacted how I thought God saw me. Every relationship I had, it impacted whether or not I felt worthy to be in it. Um, It impacted whether or not I felt like I had to perform or whether or not I was meeting expectations. When I was alone, if it was just me alone, if if God, you know, if I wasn't like thinking about God and I wasn't thinking about people, body shame followed me to myself, (laughs) Um, just in regards to shame and guilt and frustration. And so, um, unfortunately, I feel like for most of us, body shame has become the low-lying mental hum behind our mental health issues. Um, it's, it's, It's wrapped up in our anxiety. It's wrapped up in our despair. It's wrapped up in our fear. Um, it's wrapped up in our insecurity. It's wrapped up in our struggles with comparison. Um, it's wrapped up in our fear of, of using our God-given gifts. Um, I find it in all of those areas. Now, the, the great news about that is that breaking free from body shame will massively impact your mental health in all of those areas. Um, and it may take time and it may take help and it may take a ton of strategies. Um, but I do believe that it's possible. And so that, that means really, really good things for our mental health. Um, because victory is possible and healing and hope is possible in those areas. So yeah, I would say it impacts every area of our mental health because it's us. It's who we are. Um, how we view our bodies is us. It, it, I, I think we wish that we could, I think we wish that this disjointed perspective of our bodies was true, that we could just like take it out of our mind and put it over there. But it's, it's our very flesh. It's our, it's our home. It's where we live on earth. And so it's really wrapped up in so, so many things. So how do you manage the tension of pursuing health habits, like still exercising and eating nutritious foods while also working on accepting your body as it is right now? So I've taught myself to do this little trick that, um, doesn't always apply. It's not, it's not a rule, but it, it tends to be a pretty helpful tool. Anytime I hear the word balance, I ask myself, is this something that needs to be balanced? Um, is this something, so for example, if somebody would say, how do you balance grace and truth? How do you, you know, how do you balance being gracious and merciful and also telling people the truth? Like I have, I ask myself, like, why do we have to balance those things? Why can we not be just like Jesus? And well, there's a lot of reasons we can't be just like Jesus, but why can we not follow in Jesus's example and be full of grace and full of truth and love both of those things? Or when people say, how do you balance being a a mom and a woman on mission? I ask myself, like, did God ask me to balance these things? Or am I a mom and also a woman on mission? And I get to be both of those things. Um, And so I would say similarly with this question, I think like even just kind of, if we took health all the way out of it, if we took health and bodies all the way out of it, I think that we've been conditioned to think 
that anytime we're grateful for something that we can't be moving forward, that we have to really like pick one or the other, that we have to pick gratitude and contentment or passion and movement. Um, and, and from my perspective, I've realized that I cannot do one or the other. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm like a, maybe I'm just, it's my personality, but I'm I'm like, I don't want to choose. I want kale and pizza. Um, I want them both actually. (laughs) Usually you guys, Anna, I think we've talked about this before, but I used to have a food blog called from pizza to quinoa because I love both of those things so much. I want, I love pizza and I love quinoa. Um, that being said, I don't think that we ever stop being grateful for our bodies. I think that if something tragic happened and I was a quadriplegic, I would want to wake up the next day and say like, God, I don't really understand this. Thank you for my body. Thank you for my body. Thank you for this place that I get to experience you. You know, this is hard, but thank you. I'm grateful that you've given me this. Um, And at the same time, every day for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to treat my body like it's already good. And so for me in this season, I have an autoimmune disease. I'm in the thick of a flare up. That means to treat my body like it's good. It takes a lot of intention. It takes a lot of work. It takes reminders on my phone to take different pills. It means moving it. It means resting it. It means watering it. Like it's the fussiest fiddle leaf fig you've ever met in your whole life. Um, but I don't ever really have to stop being grateful that God made it. And I don't ever have to stop being grateful for the freedom he's given me in it. And, and what's more that actually that gratitude and coming from that perspective of mercy and grace compels me so much more than striving or wanting to make it better. I'm actually, it's the gratitude that compels me to treat it well. And it's the, it's the gratitude that compels me to want to even like dig in and press in when it gets a little bit harder to take care of my body. So why do you think that this concept of breaking free from body shame is really not talked about in the church? You know, churches can sometimes be breeding grounds for like people going on diets together where it should actually be a place where people are spurring each other on toward breaking free from body shame and not letting us in, not letting it enslave us anymore. So why do you think that this topic is not really talked about in the yeah. church? Why do we not want to talk about body image as Christians? <laughs> I have a few theories and I feel like talking about why we're so resistant might help us figure out how to do it well. So I'll give you one bad reason and one good reason that I think Christians are really hesitant to talk about body image. The bad reason is that I think that we're very fearful of freedom that we can't standardize. And I think that unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, culture outside of the church and outside of Christian community has been a lot better at talking about bodies than we have. And because of that, they've put a very secular spin on it. And they've um, like they've brought a, a very worldly worldview as they would, as they should um, to the body image conversation. Um, and so it's become less about glorifying God and more about glorifying bodies. Um, and so I think that for a lot of us, 
for a lot of believers, we're uncomfortable with that. It doesn't sit right. You know, like I personally, I can get down with somebody talking about hot girl summer. Um, I get it. I get the heart of it. But like for a lot of believers, that makes them uncomfortable. They're like, wait, hold on. Are we, are we glorifying? Are we objectifying women? Are we, are we sexualizing? Are we doing? And, and so I get that. Um, now, so that being said, I think, I think the bad reason is we're just fearful. We don't know how to, we don't know how to enter in. We don't know how to catch up now that we're late to the game. Um, I think in a really unhealthy way as believers, we're very, um, we're fearful about what people will do when they feel free in their bodies, which we absolutely should not be fearful of because true godly kingdom freedom honors God and it considers holiness. Um, and, um, it submits to his authority. And so I don't think we need to be scared of talking about freedom, but I, but I do understand that we are, the the fears there. It just is. Um, so there's number one, I I would say like one B, like (laughs) there's a second, but smaller reason also why I believe, uh, we're scared to talk about body image in Christian culture. Why we even deny that it exists is because we just don't believe I don't think we believe God can heal it. And so we're scared to talk about it. If we don't, if we don't feel like we have an answer, we don't feel like we can talk about it. If we don't, if, or if we don't trust him, if we don't trust his word enough, but I, but it's not hard. I mean, I, I feel like I've been there and back and I've watched God heal enough women in their, in their body image to say like, we don't need to be scared of this. He's good. He's strong. He cares. His truth is there. He purchased our freedom on the cross of Christ. Like it's, it's possible. So we don't need to be scared of it. We don't need to deny it. We don't need to like shush people when they're telling us they're really struggling. And I'll, and I'll pause there to say, denying it is a problem is not working. 97% of women say they struggle with body image issues. Um, Eating disorder related deaths are the number one cause of mental health death deaths for women in the United States. It is the number one um, mental health death cause. Like it's not working to pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, and, and women are just hurting and they're just sitting in churches saying like, who will talk about this? Who will tell me truth about this? Um, and, and while no one's speaking truth and life over them, they're picking up messages along the way that are not good from, from Christian leaders and from church leaders, um, subtle, unspoken, um, or maybe even overtly spoken negative messages. We've got to talk about it. The good reason, because I, the good reason why I think we don't talk about it, um, is because I I think it's like, and I, I say good with air quotes, like, I think it's rooted in some, some politeness maybe, or like some like gentleness and not, not wanting to hurt people or being scared of handling it wrong. Um, but I don't think that that, I don't think that even that good reason is serving us anymore. So that being said, how, so how do we fight those things? Um, unfortunately, one of the, unfortunately, one of the best ways I've seen to fight this ignorance or this um, denial of this issue is just to talk about it myself and to say like, okay, well, I'll, I'll say for me, like I'll say for me, I was a believer who loved God and was living on mission and was reading my Bible every day and massively struggling 
with body shame. I'll, I'll just talk about me. And I, I can tell you, like, I was hearing from God. I was spending time with God. Um, some of them for me, my darkest seasons of body shame have been when I have been just in really vibrant and, and healthy seasons of walking with God. Um, and I believe that's because I have a crafty and cunning enemy of my soul who, who wants me to live in defeat and despair. Um, so I think that's one of the best ways we can combat it. I'll tell you another really cool way that is not unfortunate that I think that we can really serve people is by talking about how it could be better. I am a big believer in pitching vision. And so a lot of times if somebody's trying to tell me like, is body shame really that big of an issue? I'll paint them a picture of what it could look like. Um, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 60 years from now and say like, can you imagine if, um, X, Y, and Z, can you imagine if it was like this, wouldn't it be crazy if our daughters or our granddaughters or our sons didn't feel like X, Y, and Z, can you imagine if that was, if this was different for them? Um, and sometimes I think talking about what could be is also really helpful in helping people see like, that's what I want. I want that. I want that. Even if it costs me a little bit. Um, I want that now. So yeah, but, but we got to talk about it. And I, and I think thankfully, I really do believe that, um, like the lid is off. Like it's, we're not going back in now. We're not, this conversation is not going away now. Um, so that's good news. How do we set our kids up for success in this area? You know, I'm really passionate and focused on making sure that, you know, both of my daughters know like how strong and smart and beautiful they are because God made them. And, you know, my husband and I actively work against having any kind of like diet talk in our house. And we try not to ever label foods as like good foods or bad foods, but obviously we're not perfect. And, and it is something that I worry about every single day. I really do. So how can I help to ensure that like my daughters are not going to grow up and feel shameful about their bodies um, or just deal with a lot of that kind of stuff? Like, what can we do? Um, I find so many women are like, ah, what do I do? I messed it up. Um, I talk negatively about my body all the time. And to that, I say great news. That's actually, that's not great news. And I'm sorry for you. And I'm sorry that you've, you've struggled in the past, but the great news is that when a mother or any woman in any community anywhere changes her mind about something and lets people see her repent and change, um, repent sounds like a big, scary Bible word, but that, by that, I just mean, change your mind and change your behavior. Um, when any woman does that and she lets people watch her, the world changes. Um, and so your kids are going to have this very beautiful, wild, unique perspective of saying like, my mom used to talk about her body this one way, but then something happened. And all of a sudden my mom loved her body and she like moved with confidence and she got dressed like she was just everything. And I loved it. it was I don't know what happened. I don't know. I was like three or four or something, you know, it's like just such a cool story. Um, that is possible. So I'll say number one, that's really good. So the number one way that we can start by talking to our kids about body shame is general. Don't talk negatively about your body in front of your kids and actually bless your body in front of your kids. Um, let them see you, let them hear you, let them behold you living blessed in your body. Um, and by this, I mean, um, let them see you move without defeat. Let them see you eat without restraint. 
let them see you live in your body. Let them see you rest. Um, I realized a few years ago that my kids like never saw me rest. They never saw me sit down. We had a, we had a, we had a sofa that I sat on like twice and um, it was a little uncomfortable and that's partially why. But then I realized like, I want my kids to remember me resting. I want them to see me sitting. I want them to normalize that I can do all of these things that I can, I can move my body without despair and without defeat. And I can eat without restraint and without shame. And I can also rest without um, feeling any kind of way about it. So that's one of the best ways. But then I would also say moving forward from that, I think a really healthy thing we can do is pay attention to what our kids are saying and pay attention to how, how they're moving and how they're seeming in their bodies and just ask them, um, Hey, how do you feel about your body? Um, that might sound like very feely and whatever, but I, I would say it's a question that kids would probably love to like think on. And you might be surprised that they're not, that they're not as normalized as we are to think that that's strange. Um, they're not as, um, they're not as programmed to some degree to, to not want to be vulnerable about their bodies. Um, so they might just tell you how they're feeling about their bodies. Um, and then lastly, I would say bless their bodies um, speak life over their bodies. Be really cautious. We can be really cautious about not using uh, cultural aesthetic labels on them. Like, you know, words we we call in our house, the F word is F-A-T. Um, and there are a lot of people that have that have accepted that word as, as really healthy and they want to redeem it. And I, and I bless them for that. For me, for my kids, it's not, it's not, it's not a word I want them using in regards to their bodies, in regards to for sure anybody else's bodies, but same, we don't say S K I N N Y either in regards to our bodies. Um, just because that those words hold a lot of emotion for a lot of people. Um, and they hold a lot of shame for words. So we, we just try to watch those words. Um, so I try to speak life about their bodies and bless their bodies, praise them for praise them for just who they are as they are and not for how they perform. Um, and specifically for not how they meet cultural expectations of beauty. Um, since we don't live under those. Um, so yeah, those are the big ones, but really, truly what they see you do and how they see you even change. I would say my kids have massively seen a different mom since the time they were two and three now till they're 12, 13, 14. Um, and I'm so glad that they, they got to see that transformation. Yeah. That's amazing. That I just, honestly, I cannot thank you enough. This was really, really, really such an honor to get invited to sit here, to talk with you. I love your book. Guys, we're going to link it in the show notes, Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly. It's amazing. It's changed so many people's lives. I think it will change so many more. I think this is such an important conversation that we need to be having. And I just cannot thank you enough for your time, for your words of wisdom. I just love it. Thank you so much, Jess. I just want to say I'm so grateful. Thank you guys so much for letting me letting me be on your podcast. And also, also thank you for, um, just for being willing to have this conversation with your listeners as well. So I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful to be in this with you and, um, and we're just, we really do mean it. I go and tell gals, um, that we were very grateful for female podcasters and women, women entering into this space and using what they've got. So we just bless all of you. We pray over your podcast in Jesus name for favor and abundance and fruit that is more than you could ask or imagine in Jesus name. Amen. 
Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.